Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with us here today as we talk about all the things that you know you should do, but you don't, right? Um, it is so easy to gain information these days. I mean, Google is at our fingertips and we can literally look up everything from who was that actor in that movie in the 1980s to important stuff for our business. But all too often, once we even have the information, we find ourselves not doing the very things that we know we should. A couple of places that that shows up so much in our lives is in all these devices that we have. You know, our computer, laptop, cell phone, those kind of things. And there's some things that most of us know about our computers and our networks that we know we should be doing, but you know, we just don't quite get around to it, right? Or we think, well, I'm probably safe, and so it's not a big deal. We do it. We all do. So don't feel guilty or judged if you are. It's just simply a matter of, hopefully, I can bring this to top of mind for you, and in so doing, we can all together kind of increase in our wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Now, the second area that we're going to talk about today has more to do with our business systems. So not the hardware, but the, you know, the kind of techniques behind how we do what we do, especially when it comes to really running a profitable business versus what really, I've been there so much, where we end up running a company that rather than being profitable, it's a really great big charity that does not have nonprofit status, you know. Uh, Maybe, hopefully our employees are getting paid. Uh, some of us have worked for places where we, uh, you know, I remember a place I worked once. Uh, it was way back. I was like 19 or 20. And it was literally everybody would show up at, I think it was noon on Friday that checks were made available. Everybody would show up right then and race to the bank. And whoever got their check to the bank first and cashed it, because you didn't want to deposit it, there was out of the you know eight or ten of us that were there, there was about five or seven that were going to get their check cashed immediately, and then the others were going to have to wait three or four more days, at least you know through the weekend and into the middle part of the next week, before they too would be able to cash their check. I'm sure some of you have probably been in similar situations. And there's been times that, you know, the company has struggled. I know what that's like. You're looking at the looming payroll and the empty hole that is your bank account and you want so badly to pay the people and you're stressed out about how you're not going to. But beyond those kind of things also comes all of the stuff that we don't manage in our profitability, in our systems, inside of our business that allows us to hopefully, you know, indeed pay those employees so that they don't know what's going on. But back at home, I was watching a show the other day. It was, I think it was Restaurant Impossible. And they were talking about how all the employees got paid every week and and, uh, you know, after all the bills got paid, the food got brought in and, and the rent got paid and all that stuff, uh, you know, the only person who wasn't making any money was the owner. They were working um, and they were juggling credit cards to try to keep up with their bills, weren't succeeding. And a lot of times, especially early in our careers, especially as solo entrepreneurs, we do that. We rob Peter to pay Paul. We do the things that we know we had not to do. 
but we do them to keep things afloat and our company becomes a great big charity. It's not a profit center. It's, you know, a place where people can come and put in their time and you'll make sure they get paid. Now, I love our employees and I know you do too and I want for them to get paid so I don't want that to come off in the wrong way. But it's just purely a matter of our company should be built systematically to be profitable. Our hardware in our company should be built to protect us, to serve us, not to be another frustration for us. Often some of the easiest little things in our systems as well as in our hardware can be tweaked, can be replaced, can be finally just done, right? And it makes such a difference. So the question we want to really dive into today is, what are the things in your business that you know you should be doing, but, you know, you're not, right? And and this is, again, I like to keep the show in a judgment-free zone, so I don't want you to walk away and be like, oh, man, woe is me. Here's this whole hour-long episode of, things to make me feel bad about myself. No, I really actually want to bring you some solutions, some powerful and hopefully exciting opportunities to be able to go, hey, you know what, I can do that. Or even go, hey, you know what, I need to hire somebody else to do that. That's one of the most powerful secrets that all of us struggle with. So again, if you have problems letting go of the reins, you are not alone, you are in good company, you are surrounded by a great cloud of other entrepreneurs that also, because they're so talented, because at some point in the company they did everything, just like you do or did, letting go and letting somebody else do it, and here's the even harder one, letting somebody do it less than what you would have done yourself. Now, there's a lot of times that we can bring in accountants, uh, network architecture people, systems administrators, um, even operations people that actually will do a much better job than we do. But there are often times as well that we spend so much time doing little things that we are an absolute, absolute, absolute expert. Don't you love it when I flub words? Um, I love leaving things like that in because it just makes it seem feel real. And, uh, you know, we're looking at stuff that we had not to still be doing, but we're great at. And the person we hired is a little less than, right? I remember, this was a whole lot of years ago. I was 19 at the time. I remember I worked at a Domino's Pizza doing delivery. And um, it was interesting because the owner... He knew, and uh, and I actually even went back to Domino's uh, a few years later when I was a single parent. Um, it was a good uh, second shift job for me that I could do um, and spend most of my time taking care of the kids. Um, and I remember then, too, the owner had a skill set at making pizza um, and knew the city like the back of his hand. And, and as a manager, I got to the place where when somebody was looking up an address, I could be like, what are you looking for? Okay, you go here, you go there, you go there. You know, I mean, I just, you get to the place where you really know your little area. Um, and a lot of times, as owners, we know our stuff that well. And then the new person comes in, and um, they write down the directions, and they still get lost, and end up stopping at a payphone or, you know, with a cell phone now, but I'm old. Um, you know, and uh, they're asking you, I'm at so-and-so and so-and-so, and I don't know how to find this house, right? Um, those kind of things. And it may be paperwork-wise, I got all these documents and I forget how you told me to put them together. It can be very frustrating for us. Same thing can be true in our computer. You know, we have this same pop-up. Microsoft Word has this error that, and I don't even know how it gets caused. I know how to fix it, but um, it will, when you're trying to edit your header and footer, 
it'll bring up a, a box that you have to say okay to twice and then you can get into the the section to edit your header and footer um, and it's a simple fix but a lot of times Microsoft Word will do an update and I know how to fix it but I don't do it right then that moment when I first see it and so what do I do every single time I see that pop-up it takes me and it's only just a few seconds but in all of our businesses those few seconds add up it's those kind of things what are the things that you're doing that you had not to do what are you doing that you know you shouldn't do what are the things that you know you need to do I've got some amazingly great experts that we're gonna bring to you today to be able to talk about that to have an open and free conversation about the things that we can do that will ultimately hopefully more than anything make you more profitable in what you do in business that you'll be able to look at some systematic things and say to yourself hey I'm gonna go ahead and let the reins go on this one and I'm going to choose to show up powerfully by not having it be me that does this and in the end what you find is some of the times in fact I'm even gonna go so far as to say really actually all the time when you do that you find that you are then living even more so as a thriving entrepreneur so we are gonna take our first quick commercial break and then we'll be right back here on thriving entrepreneur don't go away if you're an author who's on a mission stand out with your brand out <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity, and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far, and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve, it's risk-free, it's guaranteed, it's proven, we've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve, reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now, what are you waiting for? Grab a pen, here we go. All you gotta do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com, book a talk with Steve, it's proven, it's guaranteed, it's gonna happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. Okay, let's jump into our experts. Let's talk to some people that really know their stuff in some areas and can really help us. First off, let's look at hardware, at your computers, at your devices, at your network, those kind of things. Um, for most people, they don't come from that kind of a background and they're frustrating. They drive you crazy. Today, we want to be able to free you from the craziness of that and also to empower you to know the things that you shouldn't be doing yourself, that you should hire an expert in to do as well as the things that you just need to really bite the bullet and just do that thing, install that piece of software, upgrade that computer, what have you. So we're gonna talk about some of all those kind of things today as we just really enjoy, for a change, for some of you, um, the world of networking and of computers. Join me in welcoming Brian Gill. Hey Brian, how are you doing today? Oh, doing great, Steve. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. So tell us a little bit about who you are and how you show up in the world. Yeah, so for about the last 20 years or so, um, me and a couple of my buddies uh, pretty much help people out of data-related disasters. <laughs> so when something really bad happens with your personal data or your company data, you know, whether that's 
you know, kind of a normal events like a, a hard drive started clicking or smoking or something horrifying like a network breach and some bad guys holding you ransom for your own data, like, and kind of everywhere in between. So when, when something really bad happens, people give us a shout. Perfect. You mentioned smoke coming out of your hard drive. I had a buddy of mine that was actually, this is a long, long time ago, was working for Microsoft Tech Support that um, actually told one of the clients that computers actually run on smoke. And if the smoke comes out of your computer, then they don't run as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> and completely uh, inaccurate. You know? Yes, yeah, well, and he knew it too. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, hilarious. Um, you know, it just goes along with all of those jokes that those of us that have worked in the tech industry have at least read. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a funny one. Yeah, perfect. So um, tell us a little bit about the primary things that people don't know that they should know about their computer and their network and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and again, I, I think the bad news is, Steve, that most people know a lot of this stuff and they're just not doing it. Um, and a lot of people were doing this stuff and now they have to work from home because of COVID like many other millions of Americans and all of those security precautions that were in place when they were in the office are now, you know, not being followed and they're trying to kind of catch up. And this is kind of given the bad guys, the, the actual cyber criminals kind of a, a brand new, you know, field of target, and a much expanded, you know, ability to, to seek out, you know, brand new opportunities for them. And, and when they actually succeed in those opportunities, it's, it's usually pretty devastating for people. So again, this first one is like, geez, like back your data up. So that sounds easy, right? Like Steve, you know, you should back your data up, right? Yes, and I'm in that category of I don't do it often enough. <laughs> Right. And that's totally normal. Like most people, if they have a non-automated way that they're doing it, are, are going to have a similar response. Why? Because we're all incredibly busy and our, our kids are at home all day because they're not in school. And, you know, we're, we're going through all these struggles, uh, you know, and even before COVID, people were busy. And, you know, when are you going to make that time? to say, you know what, once a month or once a week, or I'm actually going to document where all my most critical stuff is and, and back it up. And it's not super realistic. You know, you, you really need to have, you know, some level of automation. And a lot of people are thinking, well, great. The good news is, you know, I have a cloud backup solution that I pay for and that's automated. So I'm good. And it's like, well, are you, are you actually good? You know, when, when is the last time you logged into that cloud service provider and actually, you know, downloaded that data? And was it complete? Did it have all of your data? Because what a lot of people figure out way too late when they go to download that stuff is that they backed up like 70% of their data. But they were doing their QuickBooks over here and that, that wasn't configured right to actually back up. So I, I've got everything backed up except for my... QuickBooks file for my thriving business. And, you know, and now they've got a real big problem on their hands. So, you know, and the other problem with those backups is a lot of those backups don't have multi-factor authentication. So, you know, one of the main problems is this whole, this whole ransomware thing is kind of a new thing for the last five or six years, we've been seeing it a lot. And, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, it really wasn't a thing. And so the way that we're backing up is even with like an automated cloud service is really still built primarily for the stuff that used to happen. And the problem with these data breaches is the bad guys are on your network. And the way they got on your network is because they have breached that user authentication and they may have easy access to log into that cloud service provider and destroy it or to log into that, you know, automated piece of hardware that lives in your small 
office, they might be able to log into that hardware and destroy it. And in fact, they're definitely going to try. So you, you need to make sure that, uh, I guess a modern backup assumes that a data breach happened. You, you know, you have to start with that assumption of, okay, is this backup gonna be good enough when our network is breached and a bad guy has, you know, completely owned this network and they've got kind of root access to this network. And I'd say probably 95% of small business backups, they don't have a good answer to that question because they're not, they're not sufficient. So you need to make sure that that backup is to a different network. And that network has multiple levels of authentication, not just a username and password, but as a username, a password, and then like a rotating digit on your smartphone. And again, this is one of the problems, Steve, is like, there are so many little tiny details that if you get them wrong, you're gonna be in big trouble. For example, a lot of times they're like, yep, I have a multiple factor to get into that. And it's over email. So like they email me when I, when I need to log into that backup or that other, that other network. And it's like, well, again, we kind of have to assume that the bad guys are reading those emails and are capable of clicking those links. So you really need to make sure that that second factor of authentication is one that the bad guys are not going to have access to, right? Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, my best friend actually works for a agency that I won't bring it up because I don't know if that would get him in trouble, but um, it's a public company. Let's just put it that way. Um, and, uh, you know, he's forever telling me about people that are calling and it's like, you know, and this isn't totally working at all. And then he has to, to solve that kind of stuff. So I really totally get it. I mean, it's 2020. Why is it that, why is it that we don't? You know, why don't we do anything preventative? You know, why didn't the U S government have, you know, a couple billion dollars worth of, you know, gloves and masks in a warehouse somewhere, right? Why don't we all, you know, always eat right and work out all the time? It's the, it's, it's the human nature, Steve. It's, you know, that ounce of prevention is worth a ton of whatever, right? But we don't do it. <laughs> yeah, this is the absolutely. same thing. Spending time and spending money on something like backup or a new firewall for your business. Um, this, is, this is working hard to prevent disasters that may never happen. And if they do happen, it may be many years in the future. And we are so, as a society, focused on that stuff that, that we see coming in the rear view mirror. Like it's, we're dealing with today's problems and this week's problems. And it's difficult, especially at the height of a global pandemic, it's hard to say we need to spend more money on IT. And again, if you don't, you might lose the whole company. So there's very, very good reason to. And as entrepreneurs and as successful entrepreneurs, you know, when our business starts to thrive, you know, we need to sometimes just take a pause and say, okay, now that I've got something worth protecting, I, I should start to take some steps to protect it, right? Absolutely. So what does something like that cost? To bring in a professional like you, I'm assuming you probably do most of it virtual. Um, what, what are we looking at for somebody to oversee and make sure that it's set up right? So most of the stuff that I want to talk to you today about is, is, is not going to require a professional, but, um, and again, like what most small businesses should do. So when you're like 50 employees or less, you, you should be hiring a, you know, a local managed service provider. So a lot of times it's hard to know when to hire it help. Right. Um, because it help costs a lot of money and until you hit like a hundred plus employees, you're really not going to be able to justify a full-time IT person to come to work for your company for 40 hours a week, right? Because there's just not going to be enough stuff to do. 
Um, so again, we have these things called managed service providers who are timeshares on IT. So, you know, maybe for $1,000 a month, you can get, you know, 10 or 20 hours of IT help every month. And that is going to be where everybody kind of needs to start. So as soon as your business is like three, four, five employees, you're making a living, you're growing, you're having a lot of success, you really need to try to hire your first MSP. And, um, and it's difficult because as non-technologists or a lot of business owners or non-technologists, you know, you're probably not even capable of interviewing an IT company or differentiating between a couple different ones and trying to pick who's better and who's going to work best for you. So um, the good news is we have up on gilware.com, which is, you know, my website, we have a for free and it's not gated. There is a guide to hiring your first MSP. And I worked with another company and we put together this guide. It's like 30 questions that you should ask them with some hopeful answers that you get to try to arm you know, successful people with how to interview this niche so that you can find that good provider. Now, once you have a thriving, thriving, thriving business, you know, so people that are longtime listeners of you and they've had business coaching and things like that, and their businesses are hitting on all cylinders. Um, so I work with a company called Tetra Defense. And one of the things we provide is risk management. And, you know, our average size customer is 100 employees and up. And they're often, you know, often the catalyst for them is maybe they just had a horrifying data breach and now we're helping them make sure that doesn't happen again. But we're, we're also seeing a lot of these B2B companies, their vendor or their clients, their large clients are demanding a, 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 a dramatically increased attention to the IT security of their vendors, right? So pretty much everybody listening, if you're in B2B, the, the train is coming down the tracks. In the next five years, every large relationship you have, you are going to have a lot of demands on your business that all kinds of different security things that you must follow or they're going to fire you, right? So you might as well jump on it. So, um, but you know, what does it cost? You know, um, you know, in general, an MSP is, it, it's going to vary from industry to industry and from expertise to expertise, but a managed service relationship in the earliest days is going to cost you about 25% of an employee, right? And um, as you grow and grow and grow, you know, a full-time IT person is going to cost you, you know, 80 to hundred grand a year. And, and there's all kinds of the, when you hire these people, they're going to make a bunch of recommendations and they're going to come with a product stack and they're going to recommend that you buy like a Fortinet firewall. And that's going to cost $2,500 to install like a relatively cheap one that does the job that has like a two factor authentication to get into your network, to VPN into your network. You know, they're going to recommend like a storage craft or a Veeam style backup. And, and that might cost your organization $100 a month, right? They're going to recommend an email security platform like Iron Scales that's going to help with the, the phishing emails. And that might cost, you know, $10 per seat per month or something. So all these things do cost money. Um, there's no getting around that. But... Um, when you're a successful business, you want to make sure that you're, as the executives in these successful businesses, we have a duty to, to our employees, to our vendors, uh, to our clients. You know, it's, it's the C-level executives that have to make sure that we're keeping all this stuff safe, you know. Absolutely. And so, Brian, you said for people who want to take that risk assessment or go deeper with you, they would go to gillware.com. That's G-I-L-L-W-A-R-E.com. Yeah. So there's a couple things up on Gillware that people would be would find helpful. One is we have like a top, I think it's top eight things a small business owner should do right now. And again, it's free, it's ungated, and there's just a bunch of product recommendations for help with things like user authentication and VPN and, and just the kind of stuff that, and backup, all, all the stuff that everybody knows that we should do, right? But it has some product recommendations and 
things that if you do it and it would take you about two hours of your life to go through it all, you would be much better off than you are now, right? Um, and then if you're a large business with, you know, hundred plus employees, and maybe when I was talking about, oh my gosh, yeah, one of our vendors just sent us this like 50 page security document that we have to fill out and we have horrifying answers to all 50 things. You know, that company is called tetradefense.com, tetra like the fish. And that company performs, you know, risk consulting. So they actually come in and help you do all the things that make that paperwork easy and actually have good answers to all those questions because you're actually following best practices. And that's a more comprehensive situation. I mean, there's well over, there's probably about 80 things that they look at. So it's a really, and, and again, once they go into a company, what they're going to find, Steve, is that you have to prioritize that list because they're going to have dozens of shortcomings. But what is what's going to bite you tomorrow? What has the highest probability to bite you tomorrow? And they really help walk through that prioritization. Perfect. Well, I appreciate it. Brian Gill from gillware.com. Brian, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the show today. Thanks so much, Steve. Had a good day. I hope that you picked up some useful tips that will help you up-level your computer infrastructure, your network, your systems, all of those kind of things, or that you'll just have given yourself permission to go out and hire somebody and let them do it for you. That may be the best decision you could possibly make. And that will allow you to live as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. We looked at computer hardware and systems from that standpoint in the last segment. Now what we want to look at is the systems inside of your company, especially as they relate to your company being profitable. Because ultimately, it's about making profit. I mean, you went into business to not just get by, to not be the charity for your community. I mean, unless your business is a charity, uh, that's a whole different story. But to really be profitable, to make a difference in your life and in the lives of the people that you serve, as well as really being in a company of impact. And in order to be a company of impact, you are going to need to have profitability, to have systems in place that get things done decently and in order and in a manner that really serves you and the people that you're meant to serve. So with all of that in mind, let's make it easy for you. Let's give you permission to let go of some of those things and let's create for you some systems that really sizzle. Join me in welcoming Jennifer Peak. Hey Jennifer, how are you doing today? I'm great, how are you? I'm doing good, thanks for asking. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Sure. So, um, you know, from a from a personal perspective, I 
have been around for half a century or so um, with a variety of different experiences, you know, marriage, kids, corporate experience. Um, and then about 10 years ago, I started my own company and we specialize in helping small to mid-sized businesses um, build business value through profitable business strategies. So profitable, which is such a big <laughs> word for small businesses. Um, what is, if you had to just pick out one, what would be the top uh, most profitable business strategy that most businesses are not doing? Now, what I think most businesses miss is really kind of throwing everything into one bucket or one pool and looking at profit as an amalgamation of everything that they're doing. Um, and I think there's, you know, the, the Pareto principle applies to profits just like it applies to everything else. And there's usually a lot of opportunity, um, an easy opportunity in really analyzing what your most profitable products or services are um, and really expanding on those instead of kind of evaluating thing, things as the business and really dialing it in and looking at it more deliberately. That makes so much sense. So how does, um, you know, you work with small businesses and I know a lot of them struggle with even, you know, who are we and what should we do? Do you, do you work with people like that? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and the, or the, the corollary, which is who are we and we can do everything. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So much. So how do you help a person define not just who am I slash who is the company, but really find that thing that they make money on, that they make profit on? With all of the companies that we work with, we first start with what have you been doing? Um, what seems to be the easiest to deliver? And where are the holes that you always seem to fall into? And the answers to those questions are very telling. So let's talk about the holes that you always seem to fall into. A lot of times that's a certain type of project um, or a very specific service or even a certain type of customer. So, um, you know, we have some customers where, interestingly enough, the easy small projects that should be very quick to get out the door and really have a lot of margin on them don't. And the reason is because the rest of their systems weren't set up to do small projects. So even if you look at them like, this will be really easy, we can just fit this into our schedule, it'll be so quick to get out the door, it doesn't work with the rest of the processes. And so it's a little counterintuitive sometimes, the information you find. And what we like for our business owners to do, and like I said, where we start is, what have you been doing? How do we get information that exists currently into a format where we can really evaluate what's being profitable and what's not. And, you know, the way business owners sometimes talk about this is, you know, that is a great product, but boy, it is always such a headache when we go to do it. You know, that, that's the kind of language that we listen for. And it's really the kind of language that business owners themselves can start picking up when they're talking about something to get some clues as to, yeah, it seems like it's making money, but it's costing a lot of time. It really uses a lot of our resources. We've got overhead in place just to satisfy that specific product or service or customer type and, and taking a step back and, and really looking at, you know, is that the most efficient and effective use of their resources? Mm, that's good. So, um, you know, when a company's looking at a new product, they want to roll something new out or they think they want to take a pivot in the world, um, you know, how do they evaluate before they start selling it, whether or not it's something that can be profitable? So I think there's two types of situ, well, there's multiple types, but let's talk about two types, types of situations where that happens. Um, the first one is they want to add some sort of horizontal or vertical 
complementary product or service to what they've already been offering. So this could come from customer feedback. It could come from something that they would, that the company itself would um, like to find in the marketplace as the next step or a complement to what they're already offering and they can't find it. So they, they start building their own mechanisms. That's a little less risky than the second one option that we're gonna talk about simply because if you've already been working in the space and you're already getting customer feedback that there is a gap or there's a next step um, that they would like to take and it's not being offered, you already know you have demand for it. And because you know you have demand, your um, entry into that sales process is gonna be a lot lower, which means it's gonna be a lot less costly and you can really build up some momentum fairly quickly and be able to leverage the customer base that you already have. So that's, that's a really good strategy and often a, a highly profitable one. The, the second one and sort of that pivot strategy, which I know lots of businesses are having to grapple with um, in, the, in the past couple of months, and that is entering a completely new market space, right? Where you don't have a lot of information and you're not sure how it's going to be received by customers. The, the couple of things to look at are gross profit. So gross profit in, in very simplistic terms is how much is it going to cost you to deliver the service or make the product and how much money can you charge for it? So this doesn't consider anything like overhead, right? Or even sales expense. It is simply how much does it cost you to make it and how, how much can you sell it for? And really understanding what the gross profit of that product is going to be or what you think it's going to be is crucial then to determining whether that's something that you want to launch because then you're going to have these other costs on top of that. And, and I'm not a big fan in a situation like that pivot of having something that companies think of as loss leaders um, because then all you have is a loss. You don't have a loss leader. You just have a loss. Loss leaders work great when you already have a fairly defined pipeline. You know that some decent percentage of your customers that come in at the loss leader are then going to buy additional products and the lifetime value of that customer consumes the loss leader and, and you're fine on a, on a customer account basis. Where companies run into trouble is where they're launching something new and they're doing it um, at, at a very low margin and can't make that up on volume or through other products. Can you speak for just a second in that? Because I know some people that are looking at things that when they look at the gross profit, they're kind of intangible because it's mostly their time. Yeah. And speak about not just saying, well, you know, if I charge $100 or I charge $10,000 for it, it's all profit because okay. all it is is my time. Uh, how they can factor in, you know, their time into that. Yeah, definitely. So I think there's a couple of ways to do it. Certainly one of them is, is that you could look at it from the perspective of if, if the business owner was billing a, a, a different person, not their customer, but let's say that they had hired their skill set out to a consulting firm and they were going to bill that consulting firm for their time. And then it's up to the consulting firm to do the markup to the end customer. Right. So how much would you charge for your time to that consulting firm as a contractor? $100 an hour, $75 an hour, you know, 10 cents an hour um, and, and look at it from that perspective. The other way to think about it is if you hired somebody to do that work, how much would you pay them? So it, it, some business owners can't they get caught up, right, for all of the reasons that you outlined when you asked me the question, they get caught up in their own head about what their quote unquote hourly rate should be. So sometimes that methodology doesn't work for somebody to figure out what their 
um, billing rate would be because in their mind, their billing rate is, you know, $10,000. That's how much I charge the customer. So it's 10,000 divided by the hours that I spent. Um, and we know that's not quite right. So it can help to take yourself as the business owner out of the equation and say, if I had a staff person doing this and they could do the work that I'm doing, how much would I have to pay them? And that'll help you get to that gross profit. Perfect. Thank you. And I appreciate you doing that because I just know so many people these days are looking at things and then they, you know, later on find out that it's like, well, yeah, you could do it for 50 bucks, but is your time really worth? <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, the other thing about that, and this is where you can make it really, really complicated on yourself, right? You can be like, yeah, well, if I wasn't doing that thing and I hired somebody else to do the project then I would be doing marketing. So there's a quote opportunity cost. Um, and I shouldn't say quote, because it really is an opportunity cost. If you're fulfilling client work, you're not doing other types of things in your business. And, and you can certainly approach it that way, but I, I find that that really overcomplicates the question that you're trying to answer. And for a lot of business owners who are hardcore into service delivery, right? They, they're spending 75% of their time doing the work. That is just a, a, you know, it's just a rabbit hole that you can go down and really never answer the gross profit question. Um, so I think you have to be careful about overcomplicating the, the process of determining that. So Jennifer, you have three top mistakes that business owners should avoid. Um, I'd like to take it from the standpoint of what are the things that a business owner could start doing today that would help them the most impactfully? Sure. So, um, you know, we've already really kind of touched on starting to understand your profit at a more granular level. And that can be as simple as starting today or first thing tomorrow, you know, having a, a notepad or a spreadsheet of here's, here's my client, here's the project, here's how much time I spent on it. And just track it. Don't even worry about the math right now. Like, don't worry about how much you would charge per hour or how much you would pay somebody, you know, just start tracking it. And what you're trying to really start gathering and doing that is, you know, do you have different types of projects? Do you have different types of customers? Do you have different price points on the services that you're delivering so that you know, you're gathering the data to be able to do some analysis in a month or in two months. Um, that's a lot, you know, really that is the first issue that we have with most small companies is they just don't have enough information to be able to even, you know, do the first calculation. So that would be the first thing that I would say, just start gathering some basic information. The, the second thing is to, you know, track your hours. I think as business owners, we're all terrible at tracking our hours in terms of what we're doing, you know, unless you're an attorney and then you're tracking every 15 minutes. But um, most business owners just think about, I'm working on my business. I'm doing client work or I'm doing emails or I'm doing marketing or, you know, I'm doing different things like that. And it all kind of falls into one big bucket. Um, so, but I think it's really critical to start looking at where you're spending your time that, that does two things. Number one, it will really help you analyze what the hourly cost is of client service. And it will also help you be able to pinpoint if you were going to have somebody help you in the business, what would they do? What would they take off of your plate and how much, you know, money on a relative basis would you be saving? by having somebody do some of those other tasks. So those are the first two things that I would do. The third thing is that, and this is a trap that a lot of business owners fall into, and it's, it's, some, it's, it's more of a, of a thought, well, it's not a thought, it's, it's a, let's call it tax planning. So a lot of business owners are advised by their tax professionals to maximize their expenses so that they can minimize their taxable income because nobody wants to pay more taxes than they absolutely have to. 
And that's true. No one wants to pay more taxes than they absolutely have to. But a lot of business owners are managing their bottom lines to zero and they're doing it by incurring a lot of expenses um, that may not be the best operational or business decision. They're far and away the best tax decision, but they're not the best business decision depending upon where the business owner wants to go. And the, the trickiest thing about that is that as most of us, at, when we started our businesses, we really didn't know what three years from now looked like. Um, you know, I started my company as a solo consultant and now I have employees. And I couldn't have seen that in that first year. And the reason that that's, there's multiple reasons that it's important, but we can put them all under the banner of options and flexibility. And it's the flexibility to get funding from a bank or from an outside investor. It's a flexibility to be able to sell your company if you wanted to do that. It's the flexibility and having cash reserves in case, goodness forbid, you have to shut your company down for a month. Um, right? There's all kinds of things that come with having some level of profitability that you don't get through, uh, you know, maximizing your expenses so you don't have to pay any taxes. And that it's just something to keep in mind as business owners are, are going through the life cycle and not just this month or next month or even this year, but on a longer term basis is really thinking about some of those things and, 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 and keeping them in mind. Um, the, the challenge for a lot of business owners is that you don't know and you want a tax plan and you want to minimize taxes. But in any of those situations that I talked about, um, any outside party is going to look at the last three years. So this isn't something that you can fix in a month if you don't have any profit. It's a, it's a longer term issue and strategy and requires some forethought. Well, I really appreciate your help and your advice. For somebody that wants to go deeper with you and take this to the next level, how would they get in contact with you? So the two best ways are to go to our website, which is peakadvisory, P-E-E-K advisory.com. And there's a contact form there that you can certainly fill out and reach out to us. Um, our phone number is also on the website. And then the second way is to contact me directly on LinkedIn. So you can find me under Jennifer Peak on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to connect with any of your audience. Perfect. Well, Jennifer, I really appreciate you spending some time with us here on the show today. Thank you. That is some really powerful stuff. Some things that I hope we all put into the mix with the running of our company so that we really do show up profitable. Profitability. Systems having our technology in place, doing the things that we can do, but also releasing the things that we had not to be doing, right? Those are the kind of things that will really help us thrive in our business, that can turn our business from being a charity, as I used before, into something that really is powerful, that really gets it done for you in a way that maybe is even a little mind-blowing for you to see how things begin to come together as you put systems in place. And yeah, sometimes they can be so frustrating because the creation of the systems, the working on the network, the installing the software, all of those kind of things can be very frustrating. And as we've talked about several times, sometimes the best thing you can do is to let somebody else do them. Um, but once they're in place, they make our lives so much better. And we really need to up-level ourselves because at the end of the day, we need to always remember, it's not about us. It's about the people we're meant to serve. The biggest piece of living as a thriving entrepreneur is really knowing and understanding how impactful what we do is in this world that we make a difference for people and that for them, 
we are the solution. For each of us, you know, we have somebody that we look up to, um, whether it be a parent or a mentor or a Tony Robbins or an Oprah or somebody that seems untouchable. They're 20 million light years ahead of us, right? Um, but what we often don't see is the people that are watching us, the people that were 5, 10, 20 steps ahead of as well, that really need to see what we do next because they're copying us. It's one of the advantages of small children is you know seeing them do the things, mimic the things that we do. Um, you know, watching you shave and pretending that they're shaving too, watching you put on your makeup and pretending that they're putting on their makeup too, um, dressing up in a business suit or, you know, in casual sports attire, whatever it might be, because they want to look just like mom and dad. And that really helps us see in perhaps one of the clearest ways just how looked up to we are. There are people out in the regular world that are looking at us as well. Also, even more so, is there are people who want to, who need to look up to us, but they can't because they don't know we exist. We haven't put into place the systems, the technology, the profitability to be able to reach those that are searching Google right now for that answer that you do, you know, like the back of your hand. It's so easy for you. And somebody needs that answer. They needed it yesterday. They needed it last week, last month, last year, maybe for a decade or more. And now is the time to focus on them to get our systems, to get our technology in place, to become profitable, to have the right systematology, that's a word I just made up, um, in our business so that our business flows. I was talking to a guy the other day and he said, you know, the best way to tell how good your business is doing is can you leave for six months and it will continue to grow without you. That's when you know you have a powerful business. That's something to think about. How would your business do without you? Now, don't take that the wrong way because you're intricately important in this world. But the systems come in place so that your business runs and so that you thrive on all the aspects of your life, including your personal life and taking time for yourself. Because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world so needs you. But you can only do that when you have things in order so that you're truly living as a thriving entrepreneur. Until we're together again next time, I hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve, 
believe. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You